Welcome to Northern Goal, the football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crowell. Today, in this episode, I'll be joined by Paul Chalk, Sean Wallace and Jamie Durant. How are we, folks? Hi, Ryan. Good, thank you. All right, great. It's plenty to discuss in this delayed episode this week. Sorry about that, by the way, but we felt it was best to wait until after the international fixtures had been played to focus back on club football. And we've got a decently big weekend ahead of us. We've got Dundee and Aberdeen um, both coming together to try and you know, end their winless runs. Aberdeen, could, they're at nine games without a win at the moment. Uh, we've also got Ross County returning to action. They, they need to start picking up wins as well. Inverness, they'll be trying to bounce back in the league from their first championship defeat of the season. And there's Cove, Peterhead and Elgin as well. But yes, first of all, Aberdeen. This weekend, they travel to Dens Park. Two teams, Sean. Um, they both or both have been conceding more than they've been scoring. And they're both looking for that attacking, cutting edge, end to defensive mistakes. And most importantly, they're looking for wins yeah yeah I mean it's a, a huge game for both clubs yeah probably more so for Aberdeen because I mean the pressure really has mounted on the Dons and this is a must win I mean it's not a get away with a draw this is must win at all costs it's just nothing else will do against the team bottom of the, the league yeah I mean when you look at the the games in the rest of October after this one when I mean, we're talking about Rangers Hibs and Hearts um, all coming up uh, the the three form teams in the league at the moment and I think we mentioned the last time we done an episode that should Aberdeen lose to Dundee the bottom team it's it's obviously not a great result but then it's it's one more loss and depending depending how things go you lose to Rangers Hibs or Hearts you know Aberdeen could be bottom which is obviously when you've you've got a huge wage budget and you've rebuilt the squad. It's it's not what they were targeting this season. No, that, that's like a ultimate nightmare scenario. But you, you've also got to throw in Motherwell, who are fourth. They've got them coming up after that run of games. So they've basically got the top four sides after facing Dundee. So, I mean, they cannot go into that with confidence dented. They must build up a modicum of momentum to go into these four games. I mean, you could look at it in a negative way and say if Aberdeen lose to Dundee then they go into these games confidence shattered then it could go south very very quickly and they could find themselves battling near the bottom of the table but alternatively beat Dundee they get a wee bounce off it got Hibs at home I mean they win that and then it all turns and it's looking a lot brighter but it all hinges on Dundee I mean, they must, must get a win there. It's going to be 2,500 Aberdeen fans at Dens Park. And like I said earlier, well, previously, there's, there's been an understanding from Aberdeen supporters that it is a, a period of transition and rebuilding. So you got a new manager in in March. You had to rebuild the team, a team that had woefully underperformed last season. So it was a big rebuilding job, but... There's only so far that understanding can go. And a lot of other teams in the Premiership have undergone a rebuild and are not suffering as bad a run of form as Aberdeen. They've obviously got a kind of a wide variety of options in, in midfield and, and in the forward line. And obviously, it seems to be Glass seems to prefer to use this 4-3-3 system. I mean, to you, Sean, what 
what's the best combination of the three and the three? Um, like who's personnel wise, who suits the roles better? For me, it's got to be the Mirez through the middle. And the positive aspect is Ryan Hedges and Marley Watkins are both going to be back and fit for Dundee. So, I mean, having them in the team and pushing forward, bringing that creativity, that's going to be a huge boost for Aberdeen. The thing, when I was looking at the stats for Dundee and Aberdeen yesterday, the thing that stood out for me, when you mention um, that Ryan Hedges and Marley Watkins have been missing and they're, they're creative players, they're players that have been, well, Hedges we know he was at the club already and has been Aberdeen's chief creative player, but he's had you know t- times in and out of the team injury. Marley Watkins has been brought back because he showed on loan last season that he can, you know, he can play in other, like playing his teammates, you know, maybe not score as many goals, you know, he can maybe create stuff for his teammates. But when you look at the stats of late, the last six games, the six games where Aberdeen haven't had a win, Calvin Ramsey at right back has created 22 chances, I think, which is more than the rest of the Reds team combined. The second position goes to Jack McKenzie. So recently, all of the all of the stuff Aberdeen have been creating has been coming from fullback, which, I mean, potentially could be part of the problem you know they're a team that as you've said Jamie it's a stacked midfield there's loads of midfield options but <laughs> there's nothing coming from there in terms of creativity when you to me when I look at the the midfielders that they've got available I mean Scott Brown Lewis Ferguson Matty Longstaff Funzo Ojo they're all kind of to me they're all kind of very similar kind of aggressive energetic kind of box-to-box players there's not really a creative one in there the only one you could really say that kind of ticks that box would be would be Dylan McGeeck, but he's kind of been very much in and out of the team. Um, you, there's no question you are kind of needing needing more from from the middle of the park in terms of creating chances. You mean you can't you can't just rely on one player to do it. Say like expecting Ryan Hedges to come in and fix the problem instantly, or like relying on Calvin Ramsey just putting umpteen balls into the box every game. The the proper does need to be a little bit more onus on on the midfield to do it, whether that's changing personnel or kind of just tweaking, tweaking roles slightly, asking, asking the players there to do something like a little bit different to, to try and help the, the team through this malaise just now. Well, I was expecting more from Lewis Ferguson in a creative and attacking uh, aspect this season, especially with Scott Brown in there, because he could do all this sort of hard graft, breaking up of like attacks. And I thought that would have maybe freed up Ferguson to push on. I mean, he did it against Celtic, especially in the second half, but I was looking for a lot more of that for the whole of the season, and it just hasn't really been there. The the other statistic that I, I saw that kind of interested me was the fact that although Dundee have had, I think, the same record in the last six games, it's, it's two draws and four losses, same as Aberdeen. They've actually, I think, despite being a team that... Um, you know, you'd you'd imagine has well, actually, the stats bear out that they've had a lot less possession than Aberdeen over those games. They're not a team that tends to dominate the games they play in the way Aberdeen have in games this season without getting a reward for it. That like they've had a very similar amount of touches in the box, which would probably suggest that Aberdeen aren't getting the ball in those dangerous getting the ball in those dangerous areas despite having a lot of the ball. The other thing is that Dundee have conceded only eight goals in those last six games. Aberdeen have conceded 10 despite, I think, facing something like 27 less shots than Dundee, which would, I would say, reflect the fact that Aberdeen have, at times this season, been chucking goals in at the 
uh, in their own in their own goal. Um, there's been a, a few moments of calamitous defending. Would you would you agree that that's something else that needs to be stamped out? Um, starting this Saturday. Well, it's the, it's the lapses in concentration that are killing him. There's no point being switched on for like say 85 minutes and then having like just that drop when you switch off and you're vulnerable and exposed and then the opponents exploit it. That was what happened against Celtic. You've got to be switched on for the entire 90 minutes. When you're playing in the top flight of Scotland, you can't, there's no time to have these like lapses in concentration and switching off. And that's what's, that's what's costing Aberdeen. When you actually analyse their play, I mean, there's a, lot, a couple of games they should have got something from, but it's just this, I wouldn't go so far as saying reckless defending, but just loose, slack def- defending at the back. It's like hammering them, and they can't afford this at Dundee. But, I mean, uh, Stephen Glass did press today, and I must admit, for, for a manager whose team is nine games without a win, 12 games without a clean sheet. I mean, he looked remarkably calm, composed and relaxed. So either he's a fantastic uh, poker player or Stephen Glass complete, still retains complete faith in his squad and in what he's trying to achieve here. I mean, you can... You can a slate what's happened so far, but you got to, in a way, respect the belief that he's got in this team that they will pull themselves out of it. And hopefully they can, and that has got to start at Dundee. But it's looking, it's not looking good, the stats at the moment. And if they don't beat Dundee, then you just wonder how much the fans are going to take. And a six o'clock kickoff as well. I mean, that's not on a Saturday, that's not ideal if it doesn't go their way. Maybe a very hungry being mob. Um, anyway, um, let's move on, shall we? We'll see how Aberdeen get on this weekend at Dens and that um, that late kickoff that will hopefully see hordes of Americans tune in to catch <laughs> their two favourite Scottish teams playing. Um, anyway, next up will be Ross County and Inverness. Okay. It's three huge games coming up for Ross County. They start at home to St Mirren this weekend. They've then got Livingston at home, then Dundee away. Two of those teams are you know, right down the bottom with them, um, also struggling. Uh, St Mirren, the first one, you know, as, as I think we said before, Chalky, they're probably the most challenging of the games that have come up. St Mirren have shown they're pretty handy. They beat Aberdeen, for example. But Malky Mackay assures us that the Staggies have been doing position-specific training um, over the over their break in a bid to kind of make each element of the team more tactically savvy and be more proactive rather than reactive to what happens in games. Do you think that's going to pay off? Yeah, they have. They've been working hard behind the, the scenes, as you say, Ryan, and uh, I agree that the St Mirren game is the toughest of this trio of games uh, yeah, you're looking at. County should be targeting seven points from these games, get a couple of wins, and you would maybe, you know, in the face of it, take a a point against St Mirren, but you're, you're, they really need to start winning games. It's, it's quite uh, clear, and Malky's um, made it clear that they have been sort of working, uh, you know, very player specific on the, on the training field and asking the players, uh, especially the younger players, to try and you know stand up to the mental challenges in, in matches as well. Um, we saw this a way back when they, they lost to Hibs uh, away at the start of the season, where. They folded just for a quick period and then they get back into it 
uh, with their mindset and they didn't lose any more goals in, in what was a, a, a heavy defeat in, in Edinburgh early in the season. But they've, they've shown uh, what they've got in, in various matches, really testing the arguably you know one of the strongest teams in the league, Hearts, who left with a point from Dingwall as well. So it's... It, it's a shame for Malky in the sense that he is sounding like a broken record every week, telling fans that it's going to be all right and things will get better. Um, I, he was speaking this week to a colleague, of course, Andy Skinner, who said that uh, the return in the coming weeks, perhaps, of Jake Vokins, um, who they got brought in in pre-season, of course, um, who suffered an injury. He's gone back to Southampton. He is on his way back. And uh, from what I've seen of Jake in pre-season, he's, he's a big performer, um, not only full-back, but, but getting forward. But one thing you have to say about Ross County is you can't knock their creativ- creativity and, and their width in the team. So it's it's really more about keeping the door shut at, at the back. And when St Mirren come calling, they, they'll provide the, their own problems, as, as you, you mentioned, Ryan, with Aberdeen losing to St Mirren recently as, as well. But um, it doesn't matter. A wee bit like Scotland in midweek, it doesn't matter how the victory is achieved it could come off any part of the anatomy as long as a county player knocks it in and it's it's one more than St Mirren this weekend. I mean, if they if they don't come away with a win in these in these games, Chalky, would it yeah. would it be then time to start worrying? Yeah, I, I think it would because we we spoke Jamie about these the, the the only five fixtures against the top five from from last season. They've come through that phase and they, they've. Um, had a, had a a couple of games now where they'd be looking at you know Hearts was at an obvious difficult one after those those six but going going to Motherwell they asked questions of Motherwell but still lost a narrow defeat at Dundee United and um, Malky has spoken about the, the goodwill of the supporters and how the, the fans have stuck with them it's been a completely new squad that has been assembled at Ross County fifteen new players a higher turnover than than any other club, I think, in the Premiership. Um, so it was always going to take time. But um, And the good thing from their point of view is they're not cut adrift. There are other teams there at the, the wrong end of the table with them. But the, the win has to come sooner rather than, than later. But back-to-back home games now is exactly what they're looking for. And uh, if they can get off to a, a great start by beating St Mirren and then facing a Livingston side who are, are hot and cold, but more more of the latter, uh, it gives Malky and, and his players a real opportunity to to be looking upwards finally. Uh, Paul, what was the what was the gist of Inverness Cali Thistle press today, which you which you were at? Uh, yeah. they obviously they obviously played. They they have kept playing. They had an SPFL Trust Trophy win over Elgin in the Judy International break, but they're they're looking ahead to the the league now. And what was the what was the thoughts of Billy Dodds? Yeah, well, probably the two main themes. Uh, he was asked about the, the man in the moment or the man of the week, certainly at Cali Thistle. That's Billy McKay, whose hat trick against Elgin in the four two win takes him up to five goals actually for the season. So he's the he's the top scorer despite mainly coming off the bench and being involved in the in the cup games against Bucky and Elgin. So there's a bit of a clamour from the Cali Jags fans to see the uh, player now in his third time at Cali Thistle after being released by Ross County to have uh, have a start against Morton this weekend who are a, a team in trouble down at the wrong end of the table with no league wins since August um, so uh, you would think this would be an ideal opportunity to pitch Billy in and maybe he'll be nudging Manny Duku or Shane Sutherland 
uh, out of the team uh, for that one. The, the other one is just the the way the uh, Billy was Dodds was saying the fact that they have now lost two goals in their in their two matches, and um, they had a real go at Hamilton when they lost the first league match of the season a fortnight ago. That two uh, one defeat. Michael Gardine pulled one back late on in, in stoppage time to. Um, and in fact, even though it was stoppage time, Calithas had more chances after that to sneak a draw. Uh, again, of course, they lost two goals to Elgin early on and were up against it and had to do it the hard way when Billy McKay dug them out of trouble with a, a couple of goals before half time to draw level before he scored again. And Lewis Jamieson, who is another, was picked out by Billy Dodds as someone high in his thoughts for the weekend as well, along with Reese McAleer, who's on loan from, from Norwich. So, But his point with that is they have to get stronger uh, defensively. They can't be giving teams a goal or two start, especially in the championship. I mean, Morton have already won at Inverness this year, albeit it was last season, but they were up here in, in March and, and got the win. Uh, Morton also got a victory in the SPFL Trust Trophy, albeit in penalties at Montrose, but that might have lifted the mood down at Capelo as well. So um, it's a game where Cali Thistle should be looking to win, but it needs to be treated in the right fashion. And they really need to be getting the, the lead in the game uh, and not making life tough for themselves. And that's the frustration for Billy Dodds. He's happy with the team. He's happy with the way they've reacted in recent games, um, uh, both in that Hamilton game and the way they, they hit back against Elgin. But they can't be doing that too often if they want to stay top of the table. They've got that three-point cushion right now, Ryan and Kilmarnock, um, of course, are the, the team closest to them, uh, still perhaps many people's favourites. But this fixture against Morton is the last of the first quarter. And if Cali Thistle win it, they know that at worst they're going to be three points clear. And that's a great position. It would be a bit of a nightmare, wouldn't it, to have dropped points three times in the first quarter and dropped those three points against struggling Dunfermline, struggling Hamilton and struggling Morton. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what um, happens with Kilmarnock because they play away to Dunfermline this weekend and uh, Cali Thistle drew at Dunfermline and it was a game where actually they, if it wasn't for Matt Ridges, they would have lost that one as well. So uh, yeah, they're, they're dropping points that, against teams where that they shouldn't be on, on paper um, but the performance levels haven't dipped and um, the mood within the camp, quite a few players saying recently that they might be top of the league, but there's a lot more to come from Cali Thistle. I think, uh, speak to Robbie Dees, for example, this week, the the lineup at the back have been really priding themselves this season on clean sheets, but that's not happened. There's been a bit of changing at the back with David Carson dropping out and Danny Devine out for a game as well, and um, a bit of a shake-up there but um, yeah they have to get tighter they, they have to limit the chances that the opposition get because Morton will be grateful of anything up here If you had to choose finally uh, Manny Duku or Shane Sutherland to drop out and oh. which one you would pair with Billy McKay which which one would you opt for? I think I would go with, with Shane Sutherland with Billy McKay just because they've, they've worked well together in the past and I think um, they're you know, speak to Ross Totley, for example, this week. He said it's almost like for like. It's a great problem for Billy Dodds to have, whichever he goes within it. I think uh, what Billy Dodds will look for is whoever does drop out to, to maybe come off the bench uh, and show a, a renewed appetite. It's not that Shane Sutherland and Manny Duco have been playing badly. I mean, they've got a few goals each themselves. But um, when you've got a striker like Billy McKay, who's now hitting the ground running, um, 
I think uh, you've got to be looking at pitching Billy in. But personally, I'd go with Shane Sutherland and, and Billy McKay in a, a two up top. The second top scorer in the history of the SPFL, I believe. Right. Still. Indeed. Uh, yeah. um, anyway, let's move on then to Cove, Peterhead and Elgin after this short break. Okay, Jamie, we'll start with Cove. That's who you, you watched at the weekend. Is that correct? Yeah? Yes, it was. So before the SPFL Trust Trophy game, we were already saying that everything's pretty rosy in the garden for Cove in League One. Um, maybe little bits of performance that could improve. Mitch Meganson hadn't scored, but the results had all been going their way. Then the SPFL Trust Trophy game against Albion Rovers came around. Mitch Meganson scored. Um, Ola Adiemo, he, he came on and apparently was was brilliant. I'll let you tell us if that is in fact the case. But it, yeah, I can't, I can't, nothing wrong at Cove at the moment, as far as I can tell. No, I think they're so, kind of taking along nicely at Cove. I mean, it's kind of the testament to the way that they that they are that they're not kind of satisfied with where they're at. There's still kind of room to improve, but they're kind of you get the sense they're kind of just kind of taking along nicely at the minute, but. There's still there's still areas they'd like to they'd like to improve on. Um, kind of speaking to to Paul Hartley, he's keen to kind of get some more goals from from elsewhere on the pitch and try and take the burden off uh, Mitch Meganson and Rory McAllister a little bit because, understandably, you can probably become too reliant on those guys because you know invariably if they get a chance they're going to score. Um, I was kind of looking at the stats earlier on and the 18 out of the 26 goals in all comps this season for Cove have come from either McAllister or Megginson. Um, and there's only two other players, um, Robbie Leach and Fraser Fivey, who've scored twice. Um, so there's there's areas to improve there. And I think Hartley wants kind of more um, kind of more contributions from from elsewhere on the field. Um, Mitch, I spoke to Mitch after the game last week and he also, he, I think it had been five games since he'd last scored and he kind of puts pressure on himself to to find the back of the net because of the, the track record that he has. But They've been able to count upon Rory this season, who's having kind of a almost like an Indian summer just now with uh, with the rate of goals he's he's scoring. Any chance he's getting in the box, um, be it on the ground or in the air, he's putting away. And and Cover, Cover kind of are able to call upon him uh, when they need him. Jamie Masson, is he? What, what's his situation this season? I know he, I think he came off the bench at the weekend, did he? But he obviously last season was a was a big source of goals for them um, off that the left side really, but he obviously had an injury towards the end of the season, but has he not been banging them in with his much regularity this term, and why not? Well, I think it's been a case of managing his his workload on his return from, from what's been a pretty significant injury, because um, he was out he was out a good four months um, with the with the ankle injury that he picked up in the Scottish Cup against Rangers back in April. Um, he came off the bench, he took his goal well, it was a it was kind of a header, which you don't normally associate um Jamie Masson with, but he took it well. Um, it was kind of the it was the nineteen twenty season when they won the League Two title that he was kind of in prolific form and he was almost trying to go toe to toe with Mitch Meganson for the for the top scorer award. Um, he is someone that I think they would look at as as being able to contribute more, kind of in a forward area. Um, it's maybe when he kind of gets a a run of games, I think you might start to start to see that. I think Cove have been fairly kind of flexible with their uh, with their options out with um Mitch and Rory in the in the final third. I think they'll be looking for for more from him and kind of the midfielders as well. I'd say guys like like Robbie Leach and Fraser Fivey who kind of they are capable of, of kind of getting into the box and getting on the end of moves to 
to kind of find the net and set pieces as well. They're a team that's got some good aerial aerial threats. Um, and we've seen Morgan Neal scored the winner against Edrionians the other week, and I think they'll be that's another area they'd like to like to improve on. Um, you mentioned Ola Adiemo earlier on. He's someone that I kind of I've been kind of looking to to see and what what he was capable of because there was very little known known of him. He'd played in Scotland earlier on in his career, but when he was kind of significantly younger um, and only had kind of had flashes. He'd been on the bench for the last four games while he'd been kind of working with um, with Paul Hartley on his on his fitness to get himself up to speed because he'd been it had been more than a year since he played a, a competitive game. Um, he'd had a an Achilles injury, I believe, that had kind of kept him out with out of football for a bit. But he's ostensibly he's a striker. He kind of wants to play through the middle, but he was asked to go on and do a job out on the on the right on Saturday. And he he looked did look really impressive. He's naturally left footed, so his instinct was to kind of come in field with the ball. Um, but he was he was strong. He was able to kind of pin back um, the fullback for for Albion Rovers and kind of come in field. And his his ball for for Jamie Masson's goal was brilliant. He was just kind of like a deft kind of lift into the box that uh, Jamie Masson was able to to kind of run onto and and head in. So I think there will be an increasing role for him going forward again. They probably will look to to manage manage him a little bit. So, given he hasn't played a lot of football uh, recently, but he's a different option to to what they've got going forward. He's maybe a little bit more direct and quicker than than what Cove have have got in the forward areas, and he he certainly could he certainly looks like a, a useful option for them. In terms of Peter Head, uh, we're expecting them to add former Celtic youngster Grant Savory, and he's an attacker. Uh, by looks of things, before the weekend, before they play Alawa, they they had a week off. Obviously, Peter Head after their five 0 win over Dumbarton that no one saw coming. But I mean, they've got Alawa, Falkirk, and Montrose to close out the month. That's a pretty challenging run. They're all challenging runs in League One, though. Anyone involved in League One will tell you that. But I suppose with them, it's just this weekend. If they can get another win, then it's momentum, isn't it? Well, that's it. They. That result against Dumbarton was something they were desperately in need of. I don't think anybody saw it coming in in that kind of manner, but it's maybe it's maybe also that they, were, they would have been keen for a game to kind of come sh- kind of quite sharpish afterwards and not have a have a little bit of a break after it. But there's undoubted quality in that Peterhead side, and it was it was that kind of game that that was it maybe kind of showcased it, and it came to the fore. Um, I think. They would fancy their chances going to Alloa. I think they beat them at home on the on the first day of the season, and say Alloa are only two points above them, um, and they've not had the the easiest start to the season under Barry Ferguson. So certainly, there's certainly no reason that Pete Head should be going there, kind of in fear of of Alloa. I certainly think there's there's a there's a result there to be got um, in terms of Grant Savory. I think you, um, Jim McAnally was looking to add another attacking option. Um, he can play out wide or through the middle, which is maybe where um, Peterhead might use him more often. He scored a few goals in the in a bounce game against Cowdenbeath last week. Um, and he's been working with he's been working with Peterhead for the last kind of six weeks, just building up his fitness because he's he'd been without a club since leaving Celtic last year and he'd he's just come back from like a patella injury. So it's Again, it's another one where they've kind of had to had to manage him and, and kind of build him up really to to get him to this point. Um, they're hoping to to have him involved for Saturday once uh, hopefully all the paperwork goes through. 
Um, and it's I say after getting David Wilson in as well before the uh, before the end of the the, tra- the kind of the window at the end of September. It's a it's another useful uh, useful option for them to have going forward. Yep, I look forward to reading your copy over the rest of the season. If he gets sent off, it's an unsavory incident. If he hits a decent shot, he's got a sweet left or right foot. I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, anyway, Elkin, Chalky. We, we've already covered the fact that they, they lost their SPFL Trust trophy game to Inverness. But one thing that's caught my eye in the last couple of games is they've been trying to use Conor O'Keefe as a front man. I think he's usually a wide man, but they've been using him up there in place of Kane Hester, who's been out injured with a hamstring injury, I That's believe. Right. Yeah. What, what, what are we thinking of Conor O'Keefe in that position? Is he is he managing to handle it well? Yeah, he is. He was my, my certainly Elgin man in the match at the weekend. Couldn't take the, the prize away from Billy Mackay, but uh, from an Elgin point of view, Conor O'Keefe caused Cali Thistle real problems in that first half. He... Um, uh, it was his uh, pace uh, busting forward that uh, won the corner from which Elgin scored the first one. And then uh, he set up Brian Cameron for a cracking finish for the, the second goal. Uh, but yeah, he was he's more of a creator, although he was um, up top himself. He was quickly supported by his teammates and I spoke to him after the game and he said that's so important when he's on that lone uh, shift up top. He, um, he does need the, the backing of his teammates to, to be to charging up and giving him that support. So uh, he personally enjoys playing up, up front himself. Um, I think Gavin Price will be keen to get Hester back as, as soon as he can, though, because um, Elgin are in a, a bit of an awkward spot at the moment in seventh place and, and they, they need a, a bit more firepower. And Ken Hester in all competitions was already on seven goals before this injury kicked in. Speaking to assistant manager Stephen Mackay this week, however, he was saying that, that there are reinforcements on the way to help Conor O'Keefe up top. But Jamie Wilson, who of course is on loan from Falkirk, he was cup tied for the Cali Thistle game, but he's uh, back in contention and should be involved this weekend against Albion Rovers. And um, that's a, a, another good one. You've got Matthew Cooper, albeit a defender, coming back, and Ross Draper could be involved this weekend. He's uh, going to be training tonight. That's Thursday um, for Elgin, and we'll be seeing um, him in a, a an Elgin shirt as he's on loan from Cove Rangers. So that, there's support there for Conor O'Keefe, but he's a, a player with a lot of a pace and tricks up his sleeve. He's a goal threat as well, though, though he's not scored too many this, this season. But Conor himself is enjoying it. But when you've got Kane Hester... Uh, within the ranks, you really want him back sooner rather than later as, as Elgin. Uh, it's an important fortnight for them. They'll be looking to get this victory against Albion Rovers. I think the best performance I've seen from Elgin this even, season was against Albion Rovers at uh, Borough Briggs. So they look to repeat that trick this weekend before a, a huge Scottish Cup game down at Clyde Bank. And I noticed earlier on, in fact, that's a sellout now down there at Clyde Bank, a, a game that will be live on the, the BBC as well. So we're looking forward to that one. Big fortnight for Elgin starting with this game against the Rovers down at Clifton Hill. Yeah, just like Peterhead, uh, desperate for a bit of consistency. Um, Highland League during the week, we had I think the big results that are worth mentioning: are Brora beating Rothes three 0 in the battle of the for North supremacy um, in the Aberdeenshire Shield as well. Um, Inveruri put three without reply. Um, past Fraserburgh, who are obviously um, untouchable in the Highland League at the moment. 
Anyway, for more Highland League chat, you can watch Highland League Weekly on the Press and Journal website. You can also sign up to our Highland League newsletter on the P&J as well, if that's your sort of thing. Anyway, thank you to Jamie, Sean and Paul for joining me today. Cheers, guys. Thank you. No problem. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks. That's all for this week's episode of Northern Goal. If you've enjoyed it, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can also email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. Finally, enjoy whichever games you're watching this week. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.